0: Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Friday, October 27th, 2017. This is episode 128, Left Brain Discipline with a Sprinkling of the Right Side. Before we start today's podcast episode, I would like to give a heartfelt thank you to all of you out there who have been supporting my podcast channel. It means everything to me when I look at the number of views for so many different episodes and my goal has been all along to... Vary the topics. Try to keep things as fresh as possible, but as different as possible. And I think I speak on behalf of all podcasters. The greatest compliment you can give to any of us is to share our material, like it, forward it to your friends, because we all do this for free. At least I do, anyway. And actually, I'm not even doing it for free. I actually have to pay to podcast. It's per month, and it's not much. And I do it as a gift for everyone. One thing I will add is that there are many podcasters out there like myself who also do have our full-time jobs. And we also present some of these topics in... Masterclass, workshop, clinic uh, style form. So if you or someone you know uh, would like me to come to whatever your setting is, your, your work setting, whether it's a school, whether it's a business, and speak on any of these issues, uh, please contact me. This is something that uh, I also enjoy doing a great deal, and I hope that in listening to these episodes, you get an idea that I like to think of myself as a pretty well-rounded person who's up on current events. With that said, I bring you this episode, Left Brain Discipline. Now, one of my favorite things to do to just relax is tune into YouTube and pull up just really silly videos really goofy videos ones that are completely nonsensical I also like to pull up comedians I love comedians I always have and there's really there are very very few comedians I don't like I like all different styles of humor I particularly love dry humor but there was a comedian and I don't want to say his name but I have no idea how I never heard of him. And he is absolutely one of the most innovative, not only comedians, but speakers. Almost a quasi, kind of a a George Carlin type. And he's been around for quite some time. And I was listening to one of his skits and he discussed the left brain and the right brain. And he did it in such a brilliant manner because he used every real life scenario you could possibly imagine basically having the left brain and the right brain fighting one another within oneself. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about discipline in general. When I look back at my podcast episodes, I can see it's very, very clear. People are looking for ways to discipline. People are looking way, I know teachers are looking for ways for their classroom management. And I think this is going to shed a lot of light for uh on the situation because one of the things about me is you know i have a bachelor's degree with 15 grad credits but one of the things that i'm very very open about it is I, i i despise jargon i can't stand it i i am have never been the type to go through and, and sift through every single book to find every ounce of terminology that exists, especially when it comes to things relating to psychology, relating to teaching, relating to music, and it doesn't mean that I don't know it. It's that I, I'm not interested in going crazy with the jargon because quite honestly, I have more important things to do. And one of the things I'm realizing about myself is that, like for instance, differentiated instruction. When that came out, I was like, what is this? And everybody was up in arms about it and, and every, every single school across America let's do differentiated instruction. And I never realized i've always been doing it i've always been doing it i've been doing it since my first year of teaching even when i was a rookie i've differentiated my instruction now part of that is because music teachers in general the ones that know how to teach do that we differentiate all the time but i never realized to what extent i was doing it so all of a sudden, I'm now being asked by administrators, well, show us. Well, I have been showing you. I've actually been showing you the entire time when I've been teaching. I just haven't written it down. And that's been the case with many other things. Uh, it's, it's As an example, and I'm very open about it when I call parents, When they're, I have a 504 or an IEP in the schools. A lot of that information, and I always tell administrators this, always. I've always been very open about this with administrators the information can never be current enough. Those evaluations are so tedious, and they take so much time, and I give the caseworkers, the child study workers, so much credit for the time and the effort that you need to put into that paperwork. The thing is, you can't do it weekly. You can't do it daily. You're lucky if you do it twice a year, and more often than not it's done once a year so when I get a student in September the last report is usually written in May or June well a lot could have happened over the course of those three or four months particularly over the summer there could have been a traumatic event that happened in that child's life and I want to know so what I do is I call this the parents up and I'll say hi I'm aware that your child has a 504 and an iep first of all when you when you do that and you call the parent a parent is elated to hear this because parents rarely receive this particular phone call relating to this particularly about children who have 504s and ieps the fact that you are contacting the parent and you are letting them know listen i just read it even though by law we're required to read them, i just read it and it was 20 pages long you know it's 20 pages long You know as well as I do, there's a lot of technical jargon in there. And it's not that I haven't read the jargon, but make more sense of this for me. And you're not going to come off as being incompetent. You're going to come off as being real. Parents will appreciate that a great deal. And then they'll fill you in on what's going on and and what makes their their child tick. So as for left brain discipline... I never realized it till I heard this comedian. But I've always been practicing left brain discipline. And over the years, it's only strengthened. I think that earlier in my career, I had a mix Of left and right brain, right brain. (laughs) I'm having some problems speaking today. Left brain and right brain discipline. I think I had a combination of the two. Now, it's almost exclusively left brain with a sprinkling of the right. Let me explain. I'm not gonna go into a full dissertation on what left brain and right brain are all about. That's something for you to do on your own. But what I can tell you is this. Left brain is just the reasonable, rational, logical side of viewing any particular situation. Whereas the right brain is going to have the emotional, impact and your feelings. I say a sprinkling of the right side because it's inevitable because we're human beings that the right side is affected on some level with anything that has to do with discipline. A child comes up to you and calls you a really really bad word. There's going to be on some level a part of you it's going to say, whoa, what was that? Did the kid just actually say that? You're saying this inside of your, your head. The kid actually just said that to me? Why would they say that to me? I can't believe they just said that to me. Why are they, they, they acting that way towards me? I don't understand. I'm a sensitive individual. That's the right brain side view. And that's where the sprinkling comes in. Short of that, as an educator, as a parent, you have to be completely, 100%, devoid of the right brain elements of discipline if you're going to get anything accomplished because if, if you don't you wind up making it exclusively about you and that falls under the word selfish this is not about you there is a reason the child chose to call you that name. Maybe they genuinely do not like you, and they don't like you because of things they've seen, things you've done to them, things you, you they've seen you do to others, things that they've heard about you. Maybe they're calling out for attention Maybe they're having lots of issues with their family or with friends or just issues with themselves in terms of their own identity and how they fit in to this big picture called the world. And you have to approach every single situation that way. All of them. All of them. They all need to be approached that way. Because no rational human being, short of someone who actually genuinely has an extreme disorder or an illness, something like, like Tourette's, for instance, which is a very, very serious disease, and condition you know we as teachers and educators and and parents and people in a supervising capacity have to expect the worst at all times I walk into school every single day expecting bad behavior. You have to go in that way. You have to approach children just like traffic. I've done many a podcast episode while driving. I don't think you've ever heard me blaring my horn or screaming at someone who just cut me off, and it happens all the time. I expect there to be some poor driving and I'm not exempt I've made my own poor decisions as well but you have to approach discipline the same way it's just like traffic expect it expect that bad decisions are going to be made that's the left brain side of things you are now completely removing the right side from everything with a sprinkling thrown in. Now I say a sprinkling because sometimes I do want my students to know that what you said hurt me, what you said bothered me, but I present everything to them in a rational, adult-like manner. This tit for tat approach that so many parents and people in the world of education use, it doesn't work. You can't be in a situation of uh, where you're you are an authority figure disciplining a child and you're trying to now reason with them. And you are speaking them in in, or the, the other end of things where you are you have now decided to attack them because they said something about you. That doesn't work. That makes you the lesser person. You have to be the bigger person. You have to be the adult. I have had every single every single form of discipline imaginable in my all my years of education because i've taught in every single style of environment every environment you could possibly envision most recently in the urban schools and they're tough cookies but on the inside on the inside they're all teddy bears it just doesn't seem that way when you first meet them. Because they're tough. They're tough teddy bears. When a student, you ask a student why he or she did what they did, listen to them. Let them speak. It might be the first time in their entire life That someone is letting them speak on and let them do it unfiltered and you know what if that means in that child's vernacular that they have to use profanity so they can speak like themselves and let it come out freely let them do it let it come out the anger the stress it's all gonna be released they're going to feel better they're going to put a trust in you, you are going to be treated like a demigod to them. For simply listening. And it takes time. And sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. And my students always know that if you get to a certain point, where there are certain things that are being discussed and are going beyond my scope, it's going to be time for you to truly get some help in the form of a guidance counselor and then the guidance counselor and let that person do it would probably make a recommendation for form of some type of therapy. We have to be the bigger people we have to be the ones who are rational who are logical who are not allowing our personal feelings to have anything to do with the situation at all no matter how you feel put yourself in this situation let's say you're listening to this right now you are you you're teaching in a private institution, let's say a Catholic school, and you are a devout Catholic. Because I've taught in Catholic schools before, and there have been many people on the staff who are non denominational. But let's say you are a devout Catholic, and a student walks into school and walks in one day and says, I hate God and I don't believe in God. You cannot. Have your feelings involved. I don't care where you're teaching. And when you're then saying you're wrong or that's inappropriate or we don't talk like that here. Well, you know what? You've cut off everything. You've cut off hope for that child. Because the way to do it is to let them speak. Ask them the questions. And do not allow anything from your inner being to interfere. Nothing at all. You can ask them questions, but you probably won't even need to ask them much. If you ask the right questions, they'll probably go on for a bit. And you need to sympathize, empathize. You need to understand their position. You need to understand the position. That may even require you to say, and it may not be true, but you may require you to say, you know what, I've had students in this position before. Whether you have or have not does not matter. And say that you understand. And perhaps you've been there before can you be a big enough person to actually say you know I've been there before and I understand what you're saying or are you so terrified of letting your students know anything about you at all that you're unable to share something like that with them that's not weakness that's strength left brain discipline is the only way to discipline. Mm -hmm. When I was in college and I I think I've said I've mentioned this story in, in a previous podcast episode. When I was in college I had a very poorly behaved during my student teaching experience and the long and the short of it is that my cooperating teacher and my supervisor from college specifically my supervisor from college firmly believed firmly believed that the way to handle the situation was to come with a very heavy hand and the heavy hand was not going to be done with the left brain no the heavy hand was going to be coming with the right brain now of course I wasn't I'm not hitting the children but when I say heavy hand I'm talking about a verbal spanking one that was going to leave a mark and I did it and I planned a blow up on the class and it was hard because one of my biggest issues when I was in college and high school and going all the way back was whenever I'd get angry I was, it was I was almost incapable of blowing up about something without using profanity that's what I was most scared of is cursing at students it was really hard And I planned this blow up for about 15 minutes. I don't remember a word that I said. I remember a student saying something to trigger me and it was just blah, and I just exploded. And I know that it worked because the students changed. But looking back on this experience, I don't know if it was done in a positive way. Because when I think about it, the behavior was better the rest of the way. And they understood that I was not a teacher to mess with, but I think that was done a heck of a lot more out of fear. I don't think it was so much respecting me for tr- truly for who I was. Yes, students did approach me, but they absolutely did not approach me the way that they do now, with the trust and discipline cannot be predicated on fear this is the very reason that detentions and suspensions don't work they have never worked and they will never work they don't work completely ineffective forms of discipline antiquated and schools still use them everywhere I think the only thing that's good about discipline In terms of suspension, is that you have inconvenienced a child's parents or whoever it is that's watching them. Now that can be effective because that's going to bother them. That's going to bother someone at home. The only thing about that is that also can tick them off because that could get them really annoyed at the school. But detention and suspension, unless you're told by an administrator that you must do it, don't do it. Don't do it. If there's going to be some form of discipline and it means that the child needs to be kept away from certain students or there has to be some form of a detention, at least make it something productive. I've had students who have come in and they've worked in my room before. And no, it's not child labor. They've come and worked in my room and while they're working, I've had discussions with them. Just basic conversations. And they haven't involved the right brain, left brain. We have to be rational, logical, We can't speak with our hearts when it comes to discipline. That's the wrong time. The second you find yourself yelling, which I've always said the second that you yell, you've lost some element of control as well as respect. When you can completely and totally eradicate the right brain as the central form and the exclusive form of your discipline, my goodness, are you going to make tremendous strides in this crazy world of ours? I wish you all the best with this particular episode and all that I have to off- have offered with it and hopefully it's been helpful in some way to you. All the best.